podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. On this episode, we have with us Dennis Hawk. Dennis Hawk is a uh, an artist, and, and he prefers to, to be introduced as music as medicine. So will you explain that to us, Dennis, and welcome. All of that? Music is music <laughs> as medicine? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of the studies that are coming out and, uh, um, uh, you know, are showing what medicine, what, what music does for people, you know, how, how it de-stresses, you know, certain kinds of music. You know, if you play a love, sappy love song that you're, uh, you know, that you, from a former lover, uh, that's going to take you right into the pits. So if that's not where you want to be, you don't play that song. Uh, you, you know, play something else, you know, and then the studies about meditation. Um, I can go on for hours about this, but I don't want to. Uh, but the, you know, we've known since King David played uh, harp for Saul, King Saul, you know, for his demon, his depression, uh, you know, that music has helped people. And uh, so uh, music is medicine, you know, simply translates to helping people. For me, that's been meditation music, that's been yoga music, that's been Native American flute music, uh, you know, guitar, vocals, uh, kirtan chant, call response, East Indian chant, um, and Native American chants as well. So um, that's where I kind of land. Music is medicine. How did you get into this genre of performing and, and making music, creating this type of music? Well, uh, I think it started with the Native American flute, and I did my second album was uh, the you know called uh, uh, Turtle Turtle Two uh, to slow us down. The idea of slowing down with the turtle and uh, grounding, and uh, so I used a lot of nature sounds in my flutes, uh, mainly in that in that piece, and it was one of the most popular albums that I that I did. And I thought, well, people must be needing this, you know. So I just kept on, and then I got my my body into yoga, and uh, got to be friends with one of the yoga teachers. And she said, why don't you just bring your instruments down and play for us while we do yoga? Well, that started a 15-year on-the-road career, <laughs> nonstop, you know, hundreds of, uh, of gigs and studios all over the upper Midwest. And, uh, and you know, that, that was just a, a blast, thousands of miles, uh, you know, just stepping up uh, with, uh, with keyboards, guitar, vocals, uh, you know, and going with the flow of that particular teacher. And uh, that's that's wow. really where so, it, it, it's been 15 years till COVID and stopped me yeah. dead in my tracks, which was good. Right. I had other things to do. Yeah. It, well, you and every other musician right now. Right. But um, but what so what was it about? So can you tell us what a typical gig for you looks like? A, you know, for instance, a yoga studio gig. Okay, I, I'm going to give you some of the couple of the inter, really interesting ones. Uh, the ones I yeah. one I love love to play was a Zen Yoga Garage in Chicago, and it was it was an old Jiffy Lube that they converted into an upscale yoga studio, and this was you know high roller yoga, and uh, but they kept the garage doors on uh, on the studio, and it was hot yoga. So, uh, you know, we would play, and it's, this is Chicago, so we're playing beats music, you know, we're, we're hitting it, uh, and, you know, as that vinyasa flow, and everybody's sweating, and then we get to the end, and everybody's in Shavasana, which is a corpse pose, they're laying there, and we open the garage doors, you know, and some of the cool air comes yeah. in, but people are walking by, and they're walking their dogs, and they're watching, and the <laughs> trains are going by, and the traffic is going by, <laughs> And we're all, you know, I'm playing this mellow music and, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, it's just a, a beautiful contrast of the, 
busyness and then being calm in the middle of the busyness. So that was, uh, that was uh, uh, you know, the, and I, I've played that one for, for years. And uh, then the Milwaukee Art Museum uh, was just awesome because uh, on a Saturday morning, this was uh, uh, sponsored by Hometown Yogis with Claire Stillman, Jen Stillman. And uh, we'd get 350 yeah, yoga yeah. practitioners out and, uh, wow. and the acoustics there were great because it just, you know, just floated through that room. Uh, so with 350 uh, yoga, you know, it's like a dance. And my job is to pay attention to the teacher and pay attention to the yoga practice and support that. Uh, it's not front and center. It's, it's totally it's supportive music. music. And, and that's really where I learned to do music to support things and uh, to support energy. Um, not to get in the way. Yeah. So what? Yeah. What kind of things are you playing then? So, I, so is this more percussive, or and you, you mentioned flutes? Um, yeah, drums don't seem to get in the way much unless they're you know over the top. And some of the you know the the practice of yoga is like an arc, a vinyasa practice. Starts out really really slow, and then it arcs up. And then it slows way down. So in that upper arc uh, is a lot of freedom for some, you know, really kick-ass rhythms. And uh, lot, uh, oftentimes djembe, or we would use a big ceremonial drum, uh, Native American ceremonial drum, to give, you know, that earthy, you know, four, four, four on the floor sound. Um, you know, and uh, in, from drum, and I'd be playing percussion as well. I've got a porch board. Uh, you know, stomp box that I play as well. And, nice. and, uh, and then we'd get drummers on board that would play with us, you know, uh, Yame Spinlayson from Milwaukee uh, would step in and, and play as well. And, uh, and I'd play harmonium, which is an Eastern instrument um, uh, in the mellow parts. I play guitar or I play my Native American flutes. Um, and then some mellow vocals that don't get in the way and usually aren't in English because that would take people's heads away from uh, their yoga right. practice. So, right. And so what language what are they in? Yeah. What language uh, is being sung then when you are singing? Well, usually it's Sanskrit, uh, which is an Eastern uh, language uh, to basically to India and India has uh, it's like Native American languages it's got like 500 you know you you go five miles the language changes uh, you know and so mm -hmm. to have a cohesive way for people to understand one another uh, Sanskrit uh, was an older language that was kept that was understood by all and so even though the languages change all over India, uh, everyone can understand San Sanskrit. And it's the, it's the language that's used in ceremony and in uh, spiritual practices in India as well. And so the songs we're singing, what I love about them, the, the kirtan is the call response, call response, repetitive. And it's a word you don't understand. You know, and um, mm -hmm. as one of my teachers said, her name is Wah. Uh, she uh, goes by that name, but uh, she said, we don't know what this last word means, but we're pretty sure it's better than the last thought you had. And <laughs> that is, and that's, yes. what we're trying, that's what we're trying to do. Take people out of their heads and into their bodies and into their hearts. That's the objective of uh, medicine music. Yeah, so beautifully moves, said. Moves and, and you and you make yes, move some energy. Yeah, and you you make your own flutes as well, correct? Yes, I do. Here's one of them. I was looking at the yeah, and, and the I made this in 1999. It was my 129th flute. Uh, I now have made wow. over a thousand. So uh, you know, this was this was early one, and uh, so and I love playing these. Can I play just a minute? Yeah, please do. Mm -hmm. 
So that's what that sounds like. Wow. That's beautiful. And, and how did you uh how did you get into making them? Oh, you know, everything with me has a story. So you gotta indulge me. A part of my uh, part of my bio it says storyteller. So so it's like, oh, that story. Uh, you know, uh, actually yeah, my wife my great. wife's that's cousin. My wife's cousin, who's a three-time Grammy uh, winner, Bill Miller, uh, was playing on a Nashville TV station, and he pulled one of these things out, and it pulled me in. And he he mentioned um, this guy named Lewis Webster, who was Menominee, that he got his flutes from. So the, uh, the Menominee Reservation isn't that far from me. It's about 45 minutes from where I live in Nina, Wisconsin. And so my wife and I boogied up to the Menominee Reservation and asked around. And we found a lot of family members, uh, Webster family members. And they said, well, he's not living here right now. I think he's over in Green Bay. Go check the Oneida folks. So I went over there and they said, no, uh, I, uh, he's not here now. I think he moved to Minneapolis. And I wasn't going to drive to Minneapolis, so I, I waited. And then I think in the spring of that year, I went to a powwow and I bought my first Native American. And then later, I went to another powwow and I actually found him because uh, I, I was going there. The, the booths are all in a circle. And I went to the first one and they said, okay. I asked about him and I, they said, well, he's, he just left and that kept happening. And so finally, when I got to the end and I looked up on the dance arena and there he was uh, hanging with the guy that uh, used to play on Northern Exposure uh, way back when. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't want to interrupt, but I did because I didn't think I'd ever find him again. And, um, mm -hmm. and he said, oh, OK. Uh, and he took off and I didn't think he'd ever come back. Uh, but he came back with a, a Indian blanket full of flutes. And I chose one then. Mm -hmm. A week later, I got a call from a nature preserve because they were hosting Lewis Webster to make flute, to show people how to make flutes. And they asked if my oh. wife and I would uh, put he and his girlfriend up you know, for the, for the week, oh. Oh. weekend. And so, and he was doing two weekends. So he stayed at my house for the entire week. So the 10 days I got to spend with Lewis Webster. Uh, you know, teaching me how to make uh, them. And I've been making them ever since. So there's the story. And I'm wow. And Lewis said, <laughs> follow the voice of the flute. And I've been doing it ever since. That's amazing. So you went from not being able to find him at all to him living with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. He was a good teacher. And so, yeah, yeah. He is so, and, and do you have any Native American um, ancestry yourself or how did I'm you? A, yeah, my, my mother was, uh, she was Meskwaki, Cherokee and Scots-Irish. And, um, mm -hmm. and the Guthrie name is still on the, uh, the Southern Cherokee rolls. Um, but I don't, I, you know, that, I don't, I don't lean on that too much. I mean, my wife's a tribal mm -hmm. member of the Stockbridge Muncie Mohican tribe and we, practice those ways but uh most of all it's just something that spoke to my heart and and i could tell that it had in it you know especially if you think about it for for processing feelings and that's where the medicine is um it's i tune a little bit below the notes so that you can slide into them which gives it a real bluesy feel yeah so let me let me give you a sample yeah See, that one's a little bit below. So you have to kind of push into the note. So that gives it, a, you can, it gives it a feeling, uh, you know, of sliding into those notes. And I said to Lewis once, I said, Lewis, this is the same scale. It's a pentatonic minor. I said, it's the same scale as they, they play in blues. He looked at me kind of mm -hmm. sideways and he said, Dennis, we Indians don't have the blues. We got the blahs. And that was a good But it really gives a way to express feelings and especially 
uh, for people who may suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, it, because uh, another teacher, Basil Braveheart Lakota, uh, would have me play after uh, after healings that he did, and 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 he said to me afterwards one time, he said, Dennis, the the flute is like the sacred pipe, like the pipe we blow our breath into the heavens, those are our prayers. The flute makes these sounds and those sounds are our prayers too deep for words. And so the, these flutes are a wonderful way to work out stuff we can't identify, uh, to move energy. Yeah. So it goes from our heart to our breath, to the flute, to sound, creating sound, which comes back to our ears, gets processed by our brain, and it goes into our body as vibration. So it's a complete circle of healing. Had you ever played any sort of flute or wind instrument before you got into yoga and meditation music? Uh, well, when I got into the flute, I started, that was when I got, and that, that preceded my yoga by, you know, 10 years. So okay, uh, got it. yoga came later, um, which was a great adjunct, you know, to uh, uh, the music and yoga go so well together. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I, I absolutely love the two together creates an incredible synergy. Uh, that's fun. Mm -hmm. That's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how long does it take you to make a flute? Well, it used to take me a lot longer. I got a partner now, uh, a Cherokee brother no. down in, uh, in uh, uh, this minute, where is he? He's always oh, in North Carolina. And uh, he bought himself a gun bore. And we used to, to, this is a two-piece flute where it's made by carving out one side and then the other and then gluing them together. Uh, the ones I get from him now are bored with a gun bore, so they're one-piece flutes. And uh, so he does part, I do part. And um, it, with that, with his help, uh, when I get flute blanks, it takes me about maybe three to four hours uh, to complete a flute. So... Not bad at all. Yeah. No wonder you can be so prolific with them. <laughs> well, I can now. Great. I just take, then, take me a, you know, a day and a half um, to make a flute, especially when you carve them out by hand with, you know, carving tools and, and, and stuff. But, but these, actually, these flutes are much better than the hand carved ones. They're, um, you know, the, the hole is cylindrical. It's, you know, it's, it, it's just tailor made for, for breath. And uh, mm -hmm. so, so I love the work we're doing now, and I love what we're producing. It's uh, some beautiful, beautiful flutes. And I'm working on a, I'm working on a, a uh, you know this, but I, I'm working on my, uh, my course on how to play the Native American flute. And it's, yeah. it's, going, yeah. it's going to include a lot of what I've been talking about, which is, which is how to de-stress using this simple instrument. Because it really is simple. It only has basically five notes, you know. And once you can cover these holes, uh, you're in. And uh, so it, the, the beauty of this instrument for me was that I didn't have to think. It was, it was, it took me out of my head. And, and really that's what makes it meditation is taking us out of our head. Some people are good enough at French horn and things like that, that they can, uh, they don't have to think, uh, but, but most of us, you know, have. I, I wouldn't say that you ever not, don't have to think with French horn. <laughs> well, that's, that's the way it is with, with my guitar. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm anticipating next chord change. What, you know, what's going to happen next. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, what, you know, what's the tonal quality of what's going on? And there, there, there's a editorial process, you know, that's going on always while I'm playing guitar or I'm doing vocals. I don't have that as much with, or very little with the Native American flute. The simplicity of it just right. lends itself to not thinking. Right. You know, it, once you get that pentatonic minor scale down and you start improving off of that and making up, you know, what sounds good to me, 
and uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not playing for uh, you know, an audience. Well, the other thing I wanted to note, because because this has really been one of the best lessons in my musical life, um, is I never perform anymore. I learned that in yoga. Yoga is a practice. You never step up and perform. You only go to the next practice. And boy, once I put that concept into play, it took it took all that performance anxiety away. I'm not performing. I'm just practicing again, doing my best. And it, you know, that just took all that stage fright, you know, that uh, I used to have away. Yeah. I'm just getting on my mat. Yeah. I'm just doing the best I can. Maybe I'll right. fall out of this pose, and then we'll all laugh, you know. And <laughs> I've learned to laugh at mistakes when I'm perform when you know when I'm up there practicing in front of people. So, yes, yeah. yeah. And I suppose in in yoga you can kind of almost it's very easy to to think about it that way because there's no applause. Uh, there's no, you know, it's it's not like you're on a stage. It's you're you're within the practice of the the people mm-hmm. there. Um, so it is a little bit easier to to feel that. Um, yeah, if only all of, I mean, everyone could think of their, their performances that way. Well, it's, in, it's just in, a part Kirtan, of practice. in the bhakti yoga, that's a different style of yoga, which is mm-hmm. the call response music. You know, where I call it out and the others respond. And when we stopped, we were doing. Uh, um, an eight piece band with a hundred people audience at the Alano club in, in Milwaukee, <laughs> you know, with a bunch of recovery mm-hmm. folks, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that sense, you're, you do have a stage, you've got a PA system, you're behind the mic, you're, you're doing that. But I can still in that context say it's a, it's a practice. And I, I believe mm-hmm. if I went back to coffee shops and stage performance, I would still feel the same way. Come practice with me. You know, and uh, and you know, get the audience involved, and and you know, they're part of the they're yeah. part of the process, they're part of the band, they're part of the event. Yeah, you know, to have fun with. Yeah, so. that's amazing. And can you talk a little bit more about the call and response work that you have done since since you were just mentioning sure. that? Um, can I grab a guitar? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. Uh, are we gonna have sound problems? We're gonna I don't have sound. think so. I hope not. When when I was teaching, uh, Victoria Huss and I put this this tune together to teach people how to chant. So which you know we okay. just call it out, and we didn't want any words getting in the way, so we just use ooh ah. So it goes. Okay. Now here would be the response then the response came out on uh, on here we'll see yeah uh but then an action would be something like this this is this means bliss which is where we like to take people
there's a lot more to that. These go on for like 30 minutes uh, when they're. Uh, is it? Yeah. Uh, but but you, you can great. see when I say chant music, uh, you know, people are thinking Gregorian chant or, or you know, something of that nature. This is rock and roll. And um, and that's where we've taken it, and we do it with the blessings of the people of India. Uh, they they have love. We had an Indian singer for you know for about five years, and she loved what she loved singing with us. And then she brought her whole family over from there were like sixteen of them, and and they all came for a gig in Milwaukee. And they're sitting in the back row, and I thought you know, and they, they were kind of expressionless, so I had no idea whether they were. You know how they were responding to it, and afterwards, Maduli's grandma came up to me, and she's a she's got a PhD in Sanskrit, so she's a very knowledgeable woman. <laughs> and she looked at me, and she said, uh, with a smile and a glint and and approval, she said, "You sing with heart. You mm -hmm. almost get it." Yeah. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. Yes. That's amazing. So, you know, and so would you keep doing that, that, that piece that you just played with, sort of as a, as a round, uh, in, cyclically, um, yeah. continuously? Yeah. Okay. It, it kind of reminds me of like Taizé yeah. music. Are you familiar Which with like Taizé a little bit? No, I'm not. I'm sorry. Taizé? Okay. It's kind of like, uh, more of like a church-based kind of uh, world music that um, I, I can't remember where it comes from again, but um, I'll, I'll look it up and okay. send it to you. Um, but it, it reminds me a lot of that. Um, and but yeah, so, so now this kind of leads me into like, I want to ask you, we're kind of going backwards a little bit. So how did you get into uh, playing, you know, for um, some of these recovery sort of programs? Well, uh... and I was not a happy camper in some of my yoga community venues. I was just starting to, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not blaming anybody. It's just that I, I started to feel like I didn't fit and um, as well. And so I kind of was dropping back. And at that point, uh, uh, Jason Gonzalez from fourth dimension uh, uh, recovery or sobriety, uh, called me and uh, Kristen Wick, a yoga practitioner, and we had coffee, coffee in Mequon, and uh, they said, Dennis, we need someone to lead Kirtan for the recovery community. Would you be willing to do it? And it was like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, it makes sense. I've been in recovery. I'll, I'll be celebrating May 7th, 38 years. Uh, so, you know, it's like bringing what I love back to the people that I love, you know, where I feel at home. Mm -hmm. And I feel at home with two groups of people, musicians and recovery people. And a lot of, a lot of, a lot of my, <laughs> a lot of overlap <laughs> between the two, but, yeah. uh, you know, those are the two people, my tribe. How we met, I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. my tribe. And, you know, yeah. You feel comfortable yeah. with. Yeah, absolutely. And there's trust. Yeah, and and it's and yeah, absolutely there's there's an immediate sense of trust and and uh, you know and that that is exactly how we met too is as really through recovery through um and then if through recovery we found out we're both musicians and and then instantly there's a you know like a forever bond absolutely. right <laughs> absolutely you know I trust you with my life yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah and it's kind of amazing how that works because you just you can you can relate to so many things you just know exactly where they've been even though you don't know their story you know um but but it's it's so fascinating to learn a story um you know even if you it if is. you yeah well, and yeah, what, but, what i found well, what I, I mean to interrupt, um, what I found was that what we were doing was really fulfilling the 11th step, uh, which is uh, sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God as I understand God. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that we were providing a means to meditate 
Uh, and the addict mind is, you know, all of us could be diagnosed ADD, ADHD, you know, because our minds, you know, the next shiny object and we're off and running. And, you know, it's just hard to keep focus. It's very hard. And the addict mind will also migrate toward negative thoughts about themselves. So it's like, that's a default neural transmitter issue. You know, uh, the neural pathways are well-worn to say I'm a bad person. What, what this does, what these chants do is they take us out of that and it's active enough, especially if you've got a room full of addicts, it's active enough and some people are up dancing, uh, it's, it's movement, but it's still medica meditation, medication too. Meditation, uh, because it takes the focus off of that brain train, you know, that's constantly running inside our heads and it's creating new neural pathways. And so chanting has become a regular part of my music. I love to, in the morning, I get up, I grab my guitar and, and chant um, for a while just to get my self-centered and off of whatever bad thought I was about to think. You know, and uh, so that's where it works for me. Yeah. And you were, uh, so do you write some of these chants yourself? Well, wrote, or yeah, the ones that I do, I wrote. So they're all, they were all put together by me. And and you, and you kind of, you know, you said that that was kind of like rock and roll and chants and everything. Um, so you were a musician prior to to a lot of this. You know, you were a guitarist and singer and can you tell us a little bit about the music you did before you were in this genre? Well, that's a that's an early start and it's a long story, but I'm I'm just going to say do give you the short version. When I was uh, about eleven or twelve years old, had a paper route. You know, I was admiring the <laughs> rock and roll musicians back then. Um, saved up my money, went to Rudolph's, uh, which was a pawn shop in Atchison, Kansas. Uh, bought myself a $13.50 Stella guitar. And I, I was pissed <laughs> off because it wouldn't play. Because <laughs> I couldn't play it. And uh, I took it back to Rudolph. <laughs> he wouldn't take it back. So it sat in the corner for a long time until the siding salesman came along. And he spotted my guitar in, in the corner when he was trying to sell siding to my parents. And uh, he picked up my guitar and made that Stella sing. and I knew I had, I was hooked. And then I came from an alcoholic home. So uh, it was very chaotic and abusive. So the guitar became my escape. I jump upstairs in my room and I jump on the AM radio. And to learn a song, I had to wait for it to come back in rotation, which is about an hour away. So then I'd, I'd write down some more words and, you know, figure out the chords. And that's the way I learned music by ear. And, um, and then I had my first rock band when I was 15. And uh, and just kept going. And then I decided, got the call, and went into the ministry. <laughs> I had no idea what to do. I sold, my, I sold my guitar. I did all that. But you know what? I got one back, and I started creating rock and roll Christian music. <laughs> and uh, okay. and brought that in, you know, right into to wherever I was. And then had the, had the great privilege of spending uh, 20 years in the inner city of Milwaukee, with great black gospel singers and and learned a ton about music. And uh, so what kind of music influenced me? All of that. And then Native American flute came into play and then the yoga came in. And it's like, there's been this evolution of my music over time. And, uh, and I think the one thing that sticks out for me is that it's always been pointed toward my own healing and the healing of others. Mm -hmm. It's always been there, mm -hmm. whether it was spiritual music or whether it was um, whatever kind of music I was doing, it was always pointed in that direction. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Does that answer your yeah. question? I'm, yeah, <laughs> it does, it does. So when you, went, in, when you went, went into the ministry, you kind of dropped the music for a while, or, or, or did you do some of the Christian rock during that time as well? I just dropped it for a little while because I thought it was incongruent. I couldn't play my rock and roll and be a Christian minister at the same time. That was, that was my thinking. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, so I sold my, my silver tone electric guitar 
And, um, mm -hmm. but then within, I would say within two years, I bought another guitar, moved in with a, a roommate that played bass. And we started rocking the house and then we'd, we'd bring that and this is a, this was a conservative Missouri Synod, but you know, they, nothing, nothing flew in that day unless it was Bach, you know, nothing. Uh, if it wasn't classical church music, it didn't get in the door. Well, we got in the door and we started changing <laughs> things uh, from junior college to senior college to seminary. Uh, we were having rock and roll church and, um, you know, and, and people were coming out. Uh, so that's what made it more fun. It was like the time was right. And, uh, and then when they just slid me into the inner city of Milwaukee, because uh, they didn't know what to do with me, but uh, they, you know, then, <laughs> you know, it, it, then all of my music worked, um, you know, in what mm -hmm. I was doing. So, so it was just like it's great. And when you said they put you in the inner city of Milwaukee, do you think that was done intentionally because you were, uh, you know, just doing something differently, playing music that was different, or uh, just? different personality or oh, I think um, it was, I think it was a lot of things I made the mistake of marrying a Catholic well it wasn't a mistake well it sort of was but uh marrying <laughs> a, uh, a Catholic woman in the very Senate Lutheran Church and at that time it was not uh, an accepted practice so there was only one person that would take me and that was Joe Elwanger on 17th and Vine love is love that man to death and uh, he brought me in nurtured me and uh, he allowed my rebel state he nurtured my rebel state because I was always I was always <laughs> fighting against the grain and and uh, mm -hmm. and and he he knew how to channel that uh, you know into positive action. Put me to work for three and a half years as a commu community organizer in Milwaukee, and uh, wow. and I used the music to do okay. it. Yeah, what kinds of things would you do in your community organization? Well, it, it was funny. It was an organization of churches uh, because the, the one power base that we had back then, this was late 60s, early 70s, uh, the one power base we had were the churches. Uh, they were the institution, the one institution that was stable in the inner, inner city. And I remember going uh, back then, Mayor Meyer was the, uh, the mayor. And we went to his office and, and he, said, uh, he said to me, Hawk, where are, you, where are your people? And so that, that just kind of spurred me on. And I, I went back and I started organizing churches into a thing called Church Incorporated. So it just, we, we had probably 35 inner city churches now in one block. The next time I went to Mayor Meyer's office, we had thousands. And, um, you know, things started, things started to change because of that. Uh, the East-West Freeway didn't go through because of the work that we did. Because uh, they were ripping down housing and not with no plans to replace, except something like Cabrini Greens or something, you know, in Chicago. And so we fought that. Every time I drive east-west in Milwaukee, I wonder about the sanity of that move. But you know what? It's hard to get east-west in Milwaukee. <laughs> but <laughs> right. Uh, but it was a symbol. Martin Luther King Park. A lot of things wouldn't have happened. You know, had those those days of community organizing not happened as well, and um, so so it was uh, you know getting to know a lot of different um, church traditions and uh, you know see I would spend my organizational modality was to spend twelve weeks in each church and uh, and I'd join the choir I'd bring my guitar and and. Uh, sing with folks and and so it was musically great and and it was organizationally great as well so mm -hmm. fun fun times and you did that for how long i did that yeah. for about yeah. three and a half four years and then then i uh, took a parish job and i never never fit in that job it just it just wasn't me you know you walk into a church and you've got 900 member congregation and you've got 900 job descriptions you know, and I was a people pleaser. <laughs> and uh, so all that did was escalate my drug and alcohol addiction. And uh, until finally I crashed out, uh, did a geographical escape, moved to 
moved up here to Nina, where I still live, and started a church up here, but the alcoholic followed me. And uh, so finally, I had to get again to get out of that job and get myself sober. And that led to all kinds of changes, and including starting a, a treatment center with my wife and, and that we ran for 25 years. And um, still, the music was always part. It's it's always been. When I was running group therapy, I always had my guitar right there. And I had a song yeah. that would help people move. So that's amazing. So that's me. And, yeah. And, and you were, I mean, something that's very, that's been fascinating to me anyways, is that you, you've been very um, outspoken about your recovery and, you know, you've, you've not been quiet about it and you, you even did a lot of um, public appearances about it. Uh, I mean, would you mind talking about some of that? Yeah. It's, it's funny though, when you, when you say that, I, I still get that little ball in my stomach that says, yeah. you know, uh, and, <laughs> but I, I, do, I do find the more I talk about it, the more less power it has, you know, and, uh, yeah. You know, I came I, early on. I came to the conclusion I did not have one addiction. Going to AA and getting sober from alcohol was a piece of cake compared to the rest of the shit I had to deal with. You know, and um, you know the 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 bulimic anorexic stuff that I was doing with my body through compulsive exercise and uh, and not eating and you know and sugar highs and, and the the, the circle of taking Valium to get to sleep and loads of caffeine to get started in the morning, um, you know, you know, it was Valium with alcohol at night, you know, to, to get to sleep and, and to wake up in the morning. Uh, it was sex and love stuff that uh, nobody wants to talk about. And, um, and I, but I did and I have uh, because it's an issue for a lot of people. And, you know, it's the issue that doesn't get talked about. And then when it doesn't get talked about, it doesn't get dealt with. And, um, and a lot of us who uh, are multiply addicted have also been abused or neglected uh, in childhood. And there's a lot of stuff underneath the waterline to deal with. And uh, so, yeah, I, I got chosen to be on a bunch of talk shows. Uh, Oprah uh, invited me in. Uh, Back then, it was Sally Jesse, Geraldo Rivera. There were a whole bunch of talk shows, you know, and so I did the talk show circuit on, on that. And at first, I went in as kind of the patient, you know, the designated patient. Then later, they brought me back as the therapist expert. So I don't know. It what was, was that funny. like? <laughs> uh, you know, at first, uh, you know, the first one, first of all, Oprah. Oprah was great. First of all, she's from Milwaukee. So uh, I knew a lot of her relatives, and and so, so right. between between sets, you know, you know, between on breaks, she and I were talking about, you know, some of her relatives, and she was abused by an uncle, and I knew him in Milwaukee, and uh, wow. and so she was she was very open about her stuff, and I got to tease the shit out of her about her eating disorder because she was she was poking at me about my 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 sex and love addiction and she said why don't you just stop that mm -hmm. just stop thinking about that and stop doing it and i said oprah and why don't you try not to think about an ice cream sundae with whipped cream and a cherry on top do not think that thought you know i mean it's like <laughs> uh, and she just did one of those side glances that she does <laughs> oh my gosh i can't believe you said that to oprah <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, I can. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're getting to know me. I'm not. I'm not yeah, sure. Right. 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 Wow. But and, and you know, but congratulations to you on like. I mean, you. I know you've helped so many people, and then going into your own counseling practice. I mean, obviously, you you've definitely helped so many people, and and, and being outspoken about it. Um, so you know, thank you for that. As, as someone who's also working through that through some of these issues and, um, you know, I, and that's, and I've personally been, um, more public about it myself because I, I agree. And I, you know, it's and in the music industry, um, 
it, there's there is such a you know such a large amount of addiction and mm-hmm. um, and recovery needed and and so many people who um, who are there right right there with us or um, should be you know <laughs> to be to be quite frank and you know I think if we just have more platforms where it's available to be talked about um, openly. You know, and the more people available to discuss this with and give direction, um, it, it's it can be nothing but helpful. Um, so, so thank you for being willing to share on well, that. I am, but and, the, I got it. It um, comes with a warning uh, because uh, yeah, th- there have been upsides and downsides to my openness. Believe me. Um, yeah, my kids. Uh, I was open at a time where my kids were in high school, very vulnerable to the you know, to the reputation and all the stuff that was, and I lost uh, contact yeah. with my kids for five years because of it. So there, there are, we've healed those wounds, but, but I'm, I'm more careful about what I say and how it may impact others. And that, that's, that's the thing, or myself, as far as that's concerned, because I'm a sensitive person. And, and uh, if I put myself out there too far, just I, I got to ask myself the question: Am I putting myself out there to benefit, or am I just doing some more self abuse? You know that mm-hmm. I'm just putting myself yeah. out there so somebody else can beat me. Mm-hmm. And um, I just have to. I'm just trying to be yeah. conscious of that and aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very good point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I want to get back to the music a little bit. And um, so, I mean, you've been through so many different parts of, of music and, and life in general, but would you have any, um, any lessons that you've learned from life or music that you might be willing to impart to others listening right now? I think there's two words that come to mind. What, one is... Um, Save the editor to last when, you know, and, and that's in writing, that's in any project that we work on, any, you know, there's a place to edit, but it isn't while you're writing a song. Um, it's later. Just get it out there and then craft it back. I think that's just, a, you know, just as a songwriter and composer, that that's been huge for me is to can the editor at the beginning of the process, you know, bring the editor in later when the editor is supposed to be on board. And in that that's helped. The other thing is resilience. You know, I, all of, I mean, I mean, the thing about the the music industry today uh, is it's, it's constantly changing every day. Um, It, it, to me, it's exciting, but, but not every 76 year old would look at it. (laughs) But, uh, but but when I started, it was like make your CD and then get out there on the road and market the shit out of it. And right. you usually made more money from your CD sales than you did from the event. Venues then just stopped paying you because they knew you were making money on your on your CDs. And we all bought into that and started giving giving away our music. And um, and I'm so grateful for COVID because it changed the model and it changed it fast and uh, for those of us who were up to it we started to learn the media we started to learn how to do the social media stuff we started to learn how to sell online we started how to learn learn how to create uh courses we you know we we stepped up because we are creative people who are resilient that's part of the musician's mo uh, so I think I think resilience and and can the editor till the end are the two things that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Very. What's that? I list of thirty. I gave, you... you. I, of 30 I gave yeah. you two. I was talking to a guy in Canada though, and he, he looked at me and he said, "Dennis, you give me so much hope." He's in his forties and he's been a very successful yeah. musician, you know. And he's in his forties and he said, "You're seventy six and you're still doing it." And I said, yeah, yeah. this doesn't have yeah. a and there's no way to time on. You know, Absolutely. don't stop singing until I close the lid. 
I I love that about you. You I mean, there's no I'm there's no plan to stop. There's no, like why why think about that? I mean, there's always something to do. Um, there's always people to be around and to help, and you know, yeah, yeah. I just I love let, that about you. There's. I'm just going to say, let me take I take a, a moment here. Uh, I was uh, floundering around after COVID until you know, like it, what we missed a lot was the tribe. You know, the just the the music tribe. My band, uh, my band broke up at, during COVID. It couldn't sustain itself. So, so the people to do music with and all of that. And then Allison came into my life. And it's like, I've got a tribe again, you know, and I'm working with some of the people that you're, you've sent my way and, and yeah. thank you. Thank you. You're doing us a great service by creating this tribe. Um, you know, it's just great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful you landed in my life. So, you know, it goes both ways. So yeah, I I think and that's that's just the beauty of I you know, this is a little bit of a, a program speak I guess, but you know if you when you're focusing on on doing the right thing, um, good things will come your way and and you know I I can't help but but think of that um, you know I've I've been really personally focusing on on um, just doing all the right things and focusing on good health and and recovery and it's amazing how how you know, we've been able to persist and, and actually grow during this time. Um, and so thank you for being, being a part of my support system. So yeah, right back at you. <laughs> um, and then I guess, um, any, any last, um, you know, things that we didn't cover in the interview, I'll, I'll get to your, your music, the, the piece of music in, in a moment, but any, any last comments or, or things that you'd like to bring up? Well, I think one one thing I just like to do some heavy duty promo on, and that is I've got a course. Yeah, there. please do. I'm I'm creating a course right now on uh, how to play the Native American flute. It's called the Healing Power of the Native Flute, uh, and 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 I go into some of this, some of the things why music heals and why this simple flute can help along that way. And um, so that should be coming out within, I would say, 60 days. I'm shooting. That's the target date for it. And, uh, and, and you know, I'm really looking forward to creating that course. So or I am creating it and it will be coming out. So that's, that's that. And I do make these flutes and um, I sell them as well. So DennisHawkArtist.com. Exactly. Great. I was just going to ask for that. And then, um, and then the the selection of music that we are tagging onto the end of this is uh, Rate. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about that? Uh, yeah, Rate is. I love. I love the song. I love the idea. Rate was um, Shams. Sham is Krishna. So it was Rate Sham. So uh, and Rate was his girlfriend. Um, Krishna was a lover. He just was a lover, lover, and uh, and it didn't seem to matter that Rate was married. She, her husband said it was okay, but anyway, uh, so this great Rishi comes to him in the middle of the night, and this is the guy that only shows up every six thousand years, so you better pay attention. And the Rishi says, Krishna, we've got this great war. I want you to be part of it. I want you to do your mission is this and this and this. You got to write the Bhagavad Gita. There's some other things you need to do. Are you willing to do it? And he, Krishna says, yeah, I'll do it. He said, well, there's one catch. You got to give up Rate. Yikes. Mm. In order to accomplish your mission, you have to give up something that you love dearly. Every addict mm. understands this. And that's what that's what this song is about. It's about grieving what's killing us and moving toward the goals that are in front of us, which in this case is love. You know, mm -hmm. I'm gonna let my love light shine. Yeah. You know, that that it, it ends yeah. with that. So and there's two great singers yeah. on here, Kelly Love Ross from the band of now in Arizona and Maduli Bide from India. Uh, you know, the two gorgeous voices that are intertwined with me on this piece, and I get to play flute. So, yeah. 
It's good to be. Thank you so much for sharing this with us today. And thank you just for everything for me personally, but also for being a, a wonderful guest on the show today, Dennis. Well, thank you. So, uh, appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. And we look forward to finding out more about what, what, what other projects are upcoming. And we'll definitely check out your, your work on your website. And, um, and have a great rest of your week and day. And I'm sure we'll be in touch. Okay, thank you. Thanks,
much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. 
Visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.